Welcome to Green Bites, Sustainable Asia's bi-weekly environmental news podcast. I'm Koa Tran. And I'm Stella Chen. In less than 10 minutes, we offer you bite-sized green updates in Asia we think you should know about. Welcome back. So we've spent the last couple of episodes talking about COP26 already, and we wanted to close our coverage with some key takeaways. An actual deal was reached between the attendees. The Glasgow Climate Pact is the first ever deal to explicitly reduce coal, and also the first mention of coal in a climate agreement since the 1997 Kyoto Protocol. There was a last-minute push by China and India to weaken the language around coal, so the countries ended up agreeing to phase down rather than phase out coal. Disappointing to many, but still, that means that every year coal production and usage, which accounts for 40% of annual carbon dioxide emissions, will have to decrease. And on top of that, several pledges have been made in the course of the two weeks of negotiation. One of them involved roughly 100 countries agreeing to end deforestation by 2030. That's right. And pretty significant countries were involved, such as Brazil, China, and Indonesia. A similar agreement was reached in 2014 already, but this time the pledge is being backed by some $19 billion in both public and private sectors. Another important pledge was about cutting methane emissions. This time, more than 90 countries representing two thirds of the global economy agreed to cut at least 30% of their emissions by 2030. This is pretty significant. As previously covered, methane may not last as long in the atmosphere as carbon dioxide does, but methane causes 80 times more greenhouse effects. So, eliminating it could be a good short-term decision to limit temperature rise. Unfortunately, China, India, and Russia, which are major methane producers, were not part of this pledge. Surprisingly, the U.S. and China also emerged at the 11th hour with a joint declaration, essentially pledging to work together and further the goals of the Paris Agreement in the next decade. Some of the items the two have pledged to cooperate on include regulatory frameworks and standards, clean energy transition, decarbonization, circular economy, and green technologies such as carbon capture. That's huge considering the political turmoil between these top two polluters. But much of the pledge remains unquantified, and so we just have to wait and see how the details are going to be hashed out. In the meantime, however, COP26 remains controversial, as the new adjusted targets still won't put humanity on track to limit global temperatures within 1.5 degrees Celsius of pre-industrial levels. Most plans submitted ahead of the talks would lead to a disastrous 2.4 degrees Celsius of heating, something that would need to be adjusted for next year's COP27 in Egypt. As previously covered, one nation that made a surprise and much welcome climate pledge to carbon neutrality was India. The country of 1.3 billion inhabitants promised to switch to 50% renewables by 2030 and net zero by 2070. 
a little late compared to developed nations in the EU and US who are aiming for 2050, but still a step forward for developing countries so reliant on coal. And on par with its pledge, India's been launching many green initiatives. One which caught our attention was the construction of Noida International Airport, India's first net-zero emission airport. Prime Minister Narendra Modi laid the first stone for the foundations last Thursday, November 25th, in a ceremony launching the construction of the 4.5 billion dollars project. First announced in 2018, the airport is being built in the outskirts of New Delhi. 72 kilometers apart from the capital's Indira Gandhi International Airport, and strategically located to serve many large cities in the state of Uttar Pradesh. What makes this airport special from an environmental point of view is the conceptualization of the whole project. Lots of planning went into maximizing sustainability in design, but also logistic of the construction, including forest management of the construction site. The Prime Minister Office issued a statement last Tuesday that a plot of land has been registered to replant trees removed from the airport site. The project will also protect all native tree species and guarantee nature-positive construction during the whole development process. Although no concrete information has been yet disclosed on how these can be achieved, that's actually very exciting news. Because the concern over environmental effects are often far away from an airport project's agenda, while airport infrastructure often cuts through existing urban neighborhoods due to the elevated highway structures, there are not many good solutions for their segregation from the community, including the effects on wetland, plants, or rare species. An important thing to add is that even though net zero sounds good, it doesn't mean that the project won't emit carbon. Just that these emissions are being somehow offset. In Sustainable Asia's latest podcast series, Asia's Noisy Oceans, we explored how the third runway project of Hong Kong Airport threatens the life of the endangered species Chinese white dolphin. Go check them out. Now, looking at what's new in sustainability lifestyle. Singaporean food tech company Shiok Meats has opened its first R&D facility dedicated to making cell-based seafood. The opening was inaugurated by Singapore's Sustainability and Environmental Minister Grace Fu, who described the plant as a welcome addition to Singapore's sustainable agri-food ecosystem. That's such a huge progress for the cell-based food industry in Asia. For those who don't know about cell-based food. It's a way of making food by growing cells in the lab instead of raising animals or cultivating plants. Essentially, it allows people to make meat, arguably without causing animal suffering. Cell-based meat, also known as cultured meat, is grown within tissue engineering technology that was originally used in regenerative medicines. Using a mix of muscles and fat cells. Food scientists can recreate tastes similar to the living stock version, yet without the animal waste, which means no bones and no eyeballs. And Singapore, in recent years, has been a hot hub of sustainable foods and alternative proteins in Asia. Shiok said that there are processes of cell-based seafood, including shrimp, lobster, crab, and crayfish, are sustainable and traceable, and they are preparing for commercialization of the cultivated seafood technology. In 
According to Xiox consumer studies, over 78% of residents in Singapore are open to trying cell-based seafood, while in Hong Kong, the figure is at 95%. Local brands like Omnipork and imported ones like Beyond Meats or Impossible Foods have helped lead this trend toward meat alternatives. So there's hope in the future of food being more sustainable in Asia. So this is all we have for this week's Green Bite. If you have any news stories you think we should highlight, let us know on our social media platforms with the hashtag #ShareYourBite. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channels for more content and share our podcast with your friends and family. If you are interested in sponsoring Green Bites or have any comments about our content, we would love to hear from you. Email us using communications at sustainableasia.co or drop us a line on social media. Our handle is at sustainableasia. Thanks for listening.